Chapter 2 A Sobering Example Let me illustrate the importance of pointing our children towards Christ and preaching the gospel to them by sharing about Joash, the youngest king in the Old Testament. He began his reign when he was only seven years old, 2 Chronicles 24.1. His grandmother was arguably the wickedest woman in Scripture, Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. When Athaliah saw that her son, King Ahaziah of Judah, was killed, she wanted to keep the throne for herself and her family, the house of Ahab. To prevent it from returning to the house of David, she murdered all her grandchildren. This was a satanic act because by it, she would have destroyed the line of David and thereby prevented the Messiah from coming into the world if she had succeeded. When Joash's aunt Jehoshaphat saw what was happening, she saved her infant nephew by hiding him in the temple. This gave Joash one of the most unique childhoods of anyone in history. He was raised literally in the temple. He couldn't leave because if Athaliah knew he was alive, she would have murdered him. As Christian parents, we want to shelter our children. There's probably never been a more sheltered child in all of history. Joash might have known there was evil in the outside world, but he wouldn't have witnessed much of it. Making Joash's spiritual upbringing even better, he was raised by two godly people. His adoptive father was the devout priest Jehoiada. His adoptive mother was Jehoshaphat, the woman who risked her life to save him when his siblings were being murdered. His upbringing produced exactly what we would expect. A child who did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. 2 Chronicles 24.2 Joash was a good son who obeyed, behaved, and was interested in spiritual matters. But did you notice anything odd about the verse? Unfortunately, it suggests he only did what was right during the days of Jehoiada the priest, which makes us wonder what happened when Jehoiada died. 2 Chronicles 24.4 says, Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. This is wonderful. He restored the temple going well so far. 2 Chronicles 24.15 says, Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. The moment of truth. What's going to happen with Joash now that Jehoiada is dead? This is the critical moment of his life. His adoptive father, the man who's been his spiritual leader and the moral compass in his life, is out of the picture. Joash is on his own now. No more godly man telling him what to do and when to do it. He has a big vacuum in his life. In many ways, Joash is like children who grow up in Christian homes and move out on their own. Joash used to have Jehoiada directing his life, just as young people used to have their parents directing their lives. Joash must decide whether to follow God on his own, just as young people must decide whether to follow God on their own. Present-day examples would be young people raised in Christian homes who head off to college and hear teaching that contradicts God's Word, or enter the workplace and find themselves around non-Christian employees who use language they're not used to hearing. Friends and co-workers invite them to compromising places they've never frequented before, such as bars and clubs. They're on their own for the first time. What are they going to do with their new freedom? Will they bring things into their home that they never thought of bringing into their parents' home? 
What will they do on the computer when nobody is around to monitor their internet usage? Growing up, Sunday meant going to church. What will they do on Sundays now? Will they even go to church? What happened to Joash? Second Chronicles 24, 17-20 records, Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, He also has forsaken you. The vacuum was filled with ungodly leaders of Judah. They influenced Joash toward idolatry and apostasy. God reached out to him through the prophets to bring him back, but he wouldn't listen to them. Then God graciously sent Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, to Joash. Since they grew up together, Zechariah would have been like a brother to him. If there's anyone we'd expect Joash to listen to, it would be him. When Zechariah confronted Joash, he faced the same choice all of us face when we're confronted. Respond humbly and repent. Or respond pridefully with anger. Sadly, in 2 Chronicles 24, 21-22, we learn how Joash responded to Zechariah. So they conspired against him, and at the command of the king they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus, Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, The Lord look on it and repay. Joash's problem is found in the words, The king did not remember the kindness Jehoiada his father had done to him. This doesn't mean he didn't remember as we think of people not remembering. He didn't forget how he grew up or what he was taught or how kindly he was treated. Instead, it means none of it was in his heart. He was the young man who could say all the right things outwardly, but it didn't change him inwardly. If you're a young person reading this, you need to remember what your parents have taught you. Remember the gospel which your parents preached to you. 1 Corinthians 15.1 Keep in mind how blessed you are to be raised in a Christian home. You are in a small percent of the population, and to whom much is given, much is required. Luke 12.48 Keep Joash's example in mind. You can grow up in the temple and be sheltered from evil in the world, be raised by godly parents like Jehoiada and Jehesheba, have godly siblings like Zechariah. But if you haven't embraced the gospel, then it means nothing. If you're a parent reading this, you should keep Joash's example in mind too. You must think about what happens when your children move out and you're no longer watching them. Does it really matter if they learned academics and were hard workers who conformed outwardly when they were under your roof, but their hearts didn't belong to the Lord, and so when they moved out, they didn't serve Him? We don't want to be fooled into thinking our children are saved if they act a certain way. Joash was able to do what was right in the sight of the Lord, even though he wasn't converted. 
It's not just about our children conforming to rules or becoming hard workers. The unbelieving world does as much with their children. We must be concerned about our children's hearts, which can only be changed by the gospel. As parents, we don't want to be deceived into thinking our children are safe simply because we sheltered them. We want our children to know about the evil that's out there in the world, and we want to protect them from it. But we also want them to know about the even greater evil that's in here, in their hearts, that they must be protected from. The account of Joash's apostasy should encourage all parents never to tire of preaching the gospel to their children and to pray earnestly that God will open their hearts to receive it. Our children need the gospel more than anything else. Notice I didn't say they only need the gospel, as though they don't need anything else. They do need to learn academics, a good work ethic, biblical morals, social skills, and the list goes on. But they need the gospel more than they need anything else because only the gospel saves them and changes them from the inside out. Jesus, the Wisdom of God Saying our children need the gospel is saying they need Christ. Work and Rest God's Way and the accompanying Family Guide are meant to help you point your children toward Christ by giving them wisdom. Giving your children biblical wisdom is giving them Jesus because Jesus is wisdom incarnate. In Luke 11.49, Jesus called himself the wisdom of God, and Paul wrote, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1.24 and 30 and Colossians 3.23 Christ is the wisdom of God, from God. Notice it doesn't say some of the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Him. It says all the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Him. When God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, it was as though wisdom itself became a man. Wisdom was incarnated. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This refers to Jesus. And then John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Greek word for word is logos which captures the Greek idea of divine reason or the mind of God. When the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the wisdom of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Since the wisdom of God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, we see wisdom manifested in Jesus' life. It's easier to appreciate Jesus' wisdom if it's contrasted with the wisdom of others. There were wise men in the Old Testament, such as Joseph and Daniel, but it doesn't mean much to say Jesus was wiser than they were because they were not considered the wisest men in the Old Testament. That title belongs to Solomon, a man whose very name is associated with wisdom as much as Job's name is associated with suffering. God told him, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you nor shall any like you arise after you. 1 Kings 3.12 There had never been anyone as wise as Solomon, and there would never be anyone as wise as Solomon. Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt.
1 Kings 4.30. Solomon went on to write most of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom. When you're the human author of the book of wisdom, you're wise. But Jesus said, the queen of the south will rise up in judgment against this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Matthew 12, 42. If God told Solomon, nor shall any like you arise after you, how can Jesus say he's greater than Solomon? Jesus is in a class by himself. While Solomon was wise, Jesus is wisdom. Jesus' wisdom manifested itself at a young age. There's almost nothing recorded about his early life. Following his birth, we only have one story about him when he was in the temple with the teachers. Luke 2, 41-51. This account is about, of all things, his wisdom. Two verses serve as bookends. Luke 2, 40. The child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. Luke 2, 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. In between these verses is the only account in the Bible from his childhood. Part of it reads, After three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Luke 2, 46-47 When Jesus was 12 years old, he was engaged in a theological dialogue with the teachers of the law. These men, the wise men of the day, were amazed by what Jesus said. They recognized his wisdom. As Jesus grew, his wisdom continued to be manifested through his teaching. They were astonished at his teaching. He began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? Mark 1.22 and 6.2 Jesus' wisdom was also manifested through his life. Seeing Jesus' life is seeing wisdom on display. Jesus' actions were wisdom lived out. The book of Proverbs is written as a father speaking to his son. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Proverbs 1.8 We also repeatedly read, A wise son makes a glad father. Proverbs 10.1, 15.20, and 29.3 Jesus was the perfectly wise son who makes his father glad. Think of Jesus' baptism. A voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3.17 Since Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and Jesus is the source of all wisdom, teaching our children the book of Proverbs is teaching them about Jesus. For our children to know the wisdom of Proverbs is for them to know Jesus. The fourth paragraph of chapter 3 of Work and Rest God's Way reads, In John 8.23, Jesus said, I am from above. James 3.17 says, The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Jesus is the embodiment of the wisdom from above, and only in looking to him in the Proverbs can the sluggard's life be remedied. Work and Rest God's Way draws heavily on the book of Proverbs, and in doing so, points readers to Christ. Colossians 2, 6-7 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, 
rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is a good prayer for our children. As they receive Christ Jesus the Lord, they should walk in him, referring to having a relationship with him. They should be rooted and built up in him, which is to say they should have roots that go down deep and produce growth in him. As parents, our responsibility is to teach our children so they're established in the faith, having a firm foundation for the future. Children have the responsibility to remember that teaching, abounding in it with thanksgiving for Christ and what he's done. Questions for Chapter 2 1. List some advantages and disadvantages of sheltering your child. 2. List the ways God showed mercy in the story of Joash. 3. What are some intentional things you can do to instill kindness in your child's heart? 4. Write a prayer to the Lord for each of your children. 5. What does it mean to embrace the gospel and live a godly life? Do you sense the Lord is convicting you about anything ungodly in your life? 6. How does the story of Joash motivate you to do things differently as a family? Jesus, the wisdom of God. 7. Look up wisdom in a dictionary and write it below. If you also have a Bible dictionary, look it up there and record it as well. 8. Explain what it means to you that all the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Jesus. 9. Describe a time God allowed you to act in wisdom. 10. Describe a time you forsook wisdom. 11. How has God used your children to demonstrate wisdom to you? If you don't have children, can you think of a time when God used a child? If you are a child or teen, can you think of a time someone younger than you had wisdom about something? 12. Find three verses from the book of Proverbs about wisdom that especially stuck out to you and write them down. 13. How can you help grow and cultivate deep roots in your child to have a relationship with Jesus? How would you explain to your child what having a relationship with Jesus means? 14. What additional things can you do so your children will be established in the faith? Application Go back and look at your definitions for wisdom. Find additional biblical examples of wisdom. Read those Proverbs you wrote down from question 11. List ways you will seek wisdom in your life and put it into practice.